Turn with me again tonight to Judges chapter 12, if you would. Judges chapter 12. We'll be looking at verses 7 through 12 this evening. Let's read these verses first. Verse 7, Judges 12. And Jephthah, whom we looked at for a few weeks now, judged Israel six years. Then died Jephthah the Gileadite and was buried in one of the cities of Gilead. And after him, Ibzan of Bethlehem judged Israel. And he had 30 sons and 30 daughters whom he sent abroad and took in 30 daughters from abroad for his sons. And he judged Israel seven years. Then died Isben, Ibzan, excuse me, and was buried at Bethlehem. And after him, Elon, a Zebulonite, judged Israel, and he judged Israel ten years. And Elon, the Zebulonite, died and was buried in Agilon in the country of Zebulun. Now we see from verse 7 that after Jephthah had ruled for six years, that he died. Then Ibzan ruled for seven years, and he died. And after him came Elon, the Zebulonite, and he judged for ten years, and he died. And after Elon came Abdon, who judged for eight years, and he died. All of God's judges died because they were men. And we're all going to die. It's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. Death is coming for every one of us. But we have a judge. We have a deliverer in the Lord Jesus Christ that will never die. And Israel under these four judges was at peace for 31 years. And But when the judge died, you know this story well. What did Israel do? Well, look at uh, chapter 13, verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. You know, there's an old saying, old habits are hard to break. Well, that's an understatement when it comes to us and our sin. Sin is impossible to break, and so are we. But God is able to break both sin and the sinner. And the child of God is thankful for that. Thankful for that. Israel did evil again. What proof this is that sin is what we are. They did evil again in the sight of the Lord. What proof that is that all our sin is against God. That's what David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy soul. David said there in Psalm 51, he said, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And you know what? My sin is ever before me and with me. David said, it's my sin. It's my transgressions. It's our own personal sin that's against God. 
God is right and God is innocent if he condemned us. That's what David said. You're right. You're justified if you condemn me. And he's right and innocent if he condemn us for our sin is against him who is the right and innocent one. And the Lord again delivered them into bondage. Every son and daughter of Adam will remain in sin unless and until the Lord Jesus determines to deliver them from it. Eternal life, the everlasting presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace and rest is ours only by believing and trusting in the finished work and accomplished work of Christ for us. Did you know that it's finished? It is. It's finished. Our Lord said so. So friends, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest that we read about a moment ago, lest any man fall after the same example of Israel in unbelief. There's no creature that's not manifest in His sight. God sees everything. We hide things from one another, but God sees everything. All things are naked and opened unto His eyes. Whose eyes? With the one whom we have to do. But we have a great high priest that's passed into the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's been touched with the feeling of our infirmities and was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Therefore, we can come boldly into the throne of grace and that we may obtain mercy. That's what we need. That we might find grace. That's what we need. In time of help. That's what we need. We need help. Lord, help me. Lord, save me. We need mercy, grace, and help all the time. So Christ is our subject again tonight. He's always our subject. He's our prophet, priest, and king. I like what Brother Gene said Sunday about Christ and Him crucified. That's the only message of Scripture. That's the message. Jesus Christ, who He is, and what He's done. He died on Calvary's cross that we might be redeemed. Now, I pray that the Lord might be pleased to show us tonight that in these three judges before us tonight, that we might see the Lord Jesus once again. It's in the same chapter, Hebrews 4, that we read a minute ago that we're told the Word of God is quick, it's lively, it's full of life, and it's powerful, it's sovereign, it's effectual. What else could take a, take a, a who else could cause a dead sinner to have life? Only a sovereign, powerful God. And, and His Word is sharper, it's comprehensive, it's decisive than any two-edged sword. You know, a sword that's sharpened on both edges is very decisive. You take it and you cut something with it, it's pretty obvious that it cut if it's sharpened. So much so is the Word of God that it pierces and divides asunder. It separates and distributes the soul and the spirit the joints and the marrow, and the, it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. By the, 
By the means of God's Word, we're given the ability to discern, separate what we think ourselves to be from what we really are. By the means of the Word of God, we're enabled to see who God really is. Jesus Christ is our prophet, priest, and king. And that's what we see in these three judges tonight. Now, first, if you and I are to be saved and reconciled to God, we've got to have a prophet. We've got to have someone to tell us about God and His salvation. We've got to have one who reveals to us the Word of God. Jesus Christ is... the the Word that was made flesh, and He brings us the Word of salvation. Why, He is the Word of salvation. Secondly, if you and I are to be saved and reconciled to God, we've got to have a great high priest. We can't approach the throne of God apart from an advocate, one who offers up for us uh, an offering that's acceptable unto God. I heard people all my life say, well, I offered up Jesus my heart. Well, that's not going to do it. Not going to do it. It's deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Every thought and intent of it is only evil continually. We need one who's established a perfect righteousness force. And Jesus Christ is our great high priest. Thirdly, in order to be redeemed, you and I have got to have a king. We must have one to reign over us and rule over us. We must have one to restrain us and subdue us. We must have one who makes us subjects and citizens of His kingdom. We must have one who sovereignly gives us the law and keeps it for us. Jesus Christ is the believer's king. He's made to me all I need. We sing in that little chorus. He's my prophet. He's my priest and my king. He's made unto me wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Everything that God requires, He's made unto me. Amen. May God enable us to see Christ as our prophet, priest, and king. I pray the Lord would show us that tonight in these judges. You know, Isaiah wrote in chapter 33, I've got a lot to cover, so I'm not going to turn you to these places, but in chapter 33 of Isaiah, verse 22, it says, For the Lord is our judge. He makes judgment about truths. In other words, He's our prophet. The Old Testament prophets gave witness to Christ, who is the truth. And this is how God spoke to His people in the Old Testament, through the prophets. But in these last days, and we're in the last day, He speaks unto us by the prophet. Amen. The prophet. His Son who's appointed heir of all that's God's. Jesus Christ is the prophet of God. In these days in which we live, this is how He speaks to us, through His Word. That's why it's so important that we meet together. It's not a social club. We don't meet together to fellowship, you know, to, to, to play games, do we? No, that's not, we don't have bingo night here. That's not what this is about. This is serious, serious business. We're here to learn of Christ. 
Through His Word, the Word was with God and the Word was God. In Him is life and light. Jesus Christ is the Gospel. Isaiah chapter 33 goes on to say that the Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord gave the law and He satisfied all its demands as the lawgiver and the lawkeeper. He's not just the lawgiver, He's the lawkeeper. He's our high priest. And He alone has the ear of God and makes intercession for us. And God always hears Him. God always hears Him. And then in that same verse, Isaiah wrote, the Lord is our King. And then you know what he says? He will save us. Isn't that good news? There's no doubt about it. If we trust in Christ, He will save us. We don't walk around doubting and downtrodden. When we do, we're looking within and not to Him. But if we look to Christ, He will save us. He will save His people from their sin. Thou shalt call His name Jesus. Why? For He shall save His people from their sin. He isn't trying to save. He's not wanting to save. He saves whom He wills. He's the King of kings. Now here in Judges chapter 12, these three judges, as you, as you noticed, I'm sure when we read it, are mentioned by name, where they're from, and how long they reigned. For the 25 years under their reign, Israel, God's people, had peace and rest. That's why I read the, the passage I did. That's why we sung the songs that we sung tonight. Each one of these judges typifies Christ as the judge and deliverer of His people. And other than these facts, little is recorded in these verses. Uh, well, nothing about what they did. Not like Gideon and Jephthah and as we'll see in, uh, in Samson. We're just told a, a little facts. But other, other than these uh these facts little is recorded to them except that they judged Israel. And we have a tendency by nature to believe that when little is covered on a subject in the Scripture that it's a little subject. Not so. The Lord didn't go into detail about uh, Ibsen, who represents Christ our prophet. He doesn't tell us a great deal about Elon, who represents Christ our priest. And he tells us very little about Abdon, who represents Christ our King. Regardless, they're recorded on the pages of Scripture, and we know that they were successful judges because Israel was at peace and protected under their rule. They picture the Lord Jesus Christ, who's always effectual, always successful. For no weapon formed against Him or His people shall what? Prosper. Not with Christ as their prophet, priest, and king. And that's our hope, and that's our comfort, and that's our rest. And we find much instruction here revealed in their names and their lineage and location. And we must never forget that in studying the Old Testament, that these things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. That's why we study the Old Testament Scriptures. Not just so we can say we did. 
I've heard people say many times, well, I've read through the whole Bible. And some of them said, I've read through the whole Bible 10, 15, 20 times. Did you understand any of it? Do you believe it? <laughs> when the children of Israel was out without a king, without a judge, Judges chapter 17, verse 6 says, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did what was right in his own eyes. And people that read the Bible through and don't know Christ, that's what they do. What's right in their own eyes. Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Solomon added in Proverbs 21, verse 2, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. Without a prophet, without a priest, and without a king, we'll be left to our own devices. We don't want that. We don't want that. Lord, deliver me from myself. But with Christ as all three, we'll be enabled to hearken unto His counsel. And when God searches our hearts, we will not be found wanting. Scripture's clear. There's none righteous. There's none right. That's what that means. We're not right. Lord, don't let me do what's right in my own eyes. Now, this first judge, Ibsen, his name means whiteness. He's from Bethlehem. And he judged for seven years. That's all that we know. We know his name, where he's from, and we know how long he reigned. Look at verse 7 again. And Jephthah judged Israel six years, then died Zephthah Gilead, the Gileadite, and was buried in one of the cities of Gilead. And after him, Ibzan of Bethlehem judged Israel. And he had 30 sons and 30 daughters whom he sent abroad and took him 30 daughters or daughter-in-laws from abroad for his sons. And he judged Israel seven years. Now, as I said, Ibsen's name means whiteness. And this refers, no doubt, to the holiness and the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's His essential attribute. Christ is our righteousness that is declared in Romans chapter 10, verse 4 to be the end of the law. Christ is our righteousness. He kept the law for us. He's the, end, he's the end of the law. His righteousness. In the book of Revelations chapter 7, the saints of God are arrayed in robes made white in the blood of the Lamb. Christ is our white, whiteness. Christ is our righteousness. That name means splendid. His name means splendid. It means magnificent. That's why we call his name wonderful. <laughs> the name Ibsen also means tin. T-I-N. Tin can. You know what I'm talking about. A silvery white metal tin is. It pictures in the scripture sin and dross made pure by heat. Smelting is the process of extracting or melting the metal from tin by the process of heat. It purifies it. The Lord extracted, the Lord Jesus extracted our sin from us by the, by the 
heap the smelting of God's wrath and judgment and punishment for sin in our, in our room instead, making us pure. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 25, it says, And I'll turn my hand upon thee and purely purge away thy dross and take away all thy tin. First time I read that, I thought, well, that was a misspelling. Took away all my sin. No, he took away all my tin, which is sin. <laughs> took away all my tin. This pictures the Lord putting away, purging our sin by being made sin for us. Making us white, righteous in Him. Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be what? As white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The Lord through Ezekiel speaking of us said, The house of Israel is to me become dross. That word dross means worthless, rubbish. All they are brass and tin and iron and lead. And in the midst of the furnace, they are even the dross of silver. But hear me when I say all that are found in Christ are washed pure white in the blood of the Lamb. God said as they gather silver and brass and iron and lead and tin into the midst of the furnace to blow the fire upon it to melt it, so will I gather you in my anger and in my fury and I'll leave you there and melt you. Ezekiel 22.20 Now our sin and corruption have made us like metal. But the gospel is this. God often cast His people into the fire of affliction, righteously so, but they're not destroyed. They're only purified and made the better and brighter for their afflictions. It's God that sends the trouble. And for that purpose, in Christ, our dross is burned away that the remnant of good might appear. We're being conformed to the image of Christ, friends. It's, in God's eyes, it's instantaneous, but we've got to go through some things. It's through much tribulation that we enter the kingdom of God. Much tribulation. Did you notice that Ibsen was born in Bethlehem? Bethlehem means house of bread. Christ is the bread of heaven. In most instances, bread in the Scriptures is not referring to loaves of bread like we're used to. The word bread actually means food of all sorts. We have to have food to live. Spiritually too. Christ is our bread. Christ is our food. We feed on Him. The Hebrew word Beth means house, and then the rest of that Hebrew word means bread or food. Bethlehem, house of food. Christ is the house of bread. He came from heaven's glory to redeem us, and He declared, I am the bread of life, and he that cometh to me shall never hunger. Ibsen served for seven years. Seven is the number of rest. It's the number of completion. Again, Christ has finished the work for our rest. 
Are you resting in Christ? On the seventh day, God ended His work which He had made and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had made. And the very next verse there tells us, and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. He made it holy because that in it He rested from all His work which God created and made. Well, how does that pertain to the child of God? How are we made holy and righteous in Christ Jesus. Well, I go back to Hebrews 4. I won't turn you there, but verse 1 says, Let us therefore fear, lest the promise of being left us, of entering into His rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, those that didn't believe. But the word preached did not profit them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. We ought to underline that. Next time you're in Hebrews 4, underline that. We do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath that they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. God rested because his work was finished. And we can rest because so is ours. You know, the Sabbath is not a day, it's a person. The Lord Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Christ the Sabbath was given for and to sinners. It's not about our doing, our not, our not doing. The Sabbath is about Christ and His finished work. Yes, the Sabbath was given to for us to rest. Are you resting? Rest in His finished work. Mm-hmm. You won't find any rest in yours. Are we truly resting in Him? Now one extra thing is given to us here concerning Ibsen. He had 30 sons and 30 daughters. You know, I hope you have more than $30. The number 30 in the Scriptures has some significance. The priest of God, well, they must be at least 30 years old before they could serve in the temple. John the Baptist began his ministry at 30. And as you know, the Lord Jesus was 30 years old when he started his public ministry. The number 30 gives us a picture of the sacrificial blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was betrayed by Judas for 30 pieces of silver. Ibsen sent his 30 sons abroad to take wives. And God the Father sent his son abroad to earth, to take a bride unto Himself. Believers, it's the children of God as witnesses unto Christ. We're sent to the uttermost parts of the earth. To do what? To betroth God's chosen people to Christ, their heavenly husband. That's the great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Call the bride of Christ to come to their husband. Just like Abraham's servant did when he searched for a bride of Isaac. 
How do we do that? Through the preaching of the Gospel. God in these last days speaks to us one way. Just one way only. By His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? All God's people can be taught of God. Jesus Christ is God and as our prophet, we learn of Him. Verse 10, Then died Ibsen and was buried at Bethlehem. And as I said earlier, this is the end of every judge, every deliverer, every prophet of old. They died. But our great prophet, priest, and king lives forever. He forever makes intercession for us. We, what great hope we have of eternal life. Then in verse 11, we have the second of the three judges. And after him, Elon, a Zebulonite, Zebulonite, judged Israel. And he judged Israel ten years. And again, we're only told his name, where he's from, and how long he judged. And we'd have a tendency to just read over these things. But Elon's name means mighty. I love to, the names, names in Scripture mean something. I love to see what they mean. We can be taught a lot from these names and these words. That word can also mean ram. In Elon, we see the Lord Jesus Christ, our mighty and great high priest who offered himself as a sacrifice unto God for our sins. often think about up on Mount Moriah, Isaac said, Dad, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God has provided for Himself a sacrifice. And friends, God provided Himself as the sacrifice. What a mighty Savior we have. Wherefore, He is able to save us to the uttermost that come unto God by Him. Why? Because He's mighty to save seeing that He ever liveth to make intercession for them. He forever lives and we forever live in Him. For such a high priest became us, it says, who is holy and harmless and undefiled and separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. He became what we are. He was made sin for us that we might be made what? The righteousness of God in Him. Our high priest became us. And He's holy and now we are. And He's harmless and now we are. And He's undefiled and now we are. Separated. Made higher than the heavens. He's God Almighty. Not just mighty, He's Almighty. <laughs> he is all might. He's mightier than all. He's Almighty. Elon pictures this mighty Savior. And though we're not told all that He did, we know what the one He pictures did. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in His love. He will joy over thee with singing. Zephaniah 3.17 I love that verse. The thought that God Almighty would rejoice over me with joy and, and rest in His love for me. Oh, that He would joy over me with singing. 
That's an amazing gospel, isn't it? It's an amazing God. We have an amazing Savior. It's amazing grace. Our great high priest needed not daily as those high priests of old to offer up sacrifice for his own sins and then for the people's. For this, he, the Lord Jesus, did once when he offered up himself. Our almighty Savior trod the winepress of the wrath of God alone and he said it's finished and God said that's more than enough. More than enough. It takes an almighty Savior to save us and keep us. Only one who's mighty can do that. Elon is from Zebulun. The Zebulonites were seafarers. Jake, you remember when Jake was dying, he called his sons together and, to, uh, uh, and uh, Zebulun was uh, one of his sons. And listen to what Jacob says about him. Zebulun shall dwell at the haven of the sea. That word haven means a covering. And he shall be for a haven of ships, and his border shall be unto Zidon. You know what the word Zidon means? A white ship. <laughs> Here we see something of the priestly function of the Lord Jesus Christ. The sea in the Scriptures uh, represents separation. You know, we're separated afar by the sea, by the waters. Um. In Christ, there's no separation from God. In Christ, we're reconciled to God. In Revelation chapter 21, John wrote, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. No more separation. No more turbulence. You know, the disciples were out on the sea and... There arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch, the Bible says, that the script that the ship was covered with waves. Where was the Lord Jesus? Asleep. He wasn't concerned with the storm. You know why? He was the one that sent it. It's the Lord that sends every storm. If you're going through a storm right now, the Lord sent it. And if you're one of His, He sent it for your good. And the disciples came to him and they woke him up and they said, Lord, save us, we perish. That's why the Lord sent the storm, to try their faith. It's the same with us. God sends trouble so that we'll trust in Him. They would not perish and they wouldn't perish. They couldn't perish. And neither can we. <laughs> the mighty Lord's on the ship. What a... Storm, this must have been for experienced fishermen to be fearful. You remember what the Lord said to them? Why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? Oh, you have little faith. Why are we so fearful? That's why. We're little faith. Why are we so fearful when the storms of life cover us? Lack of faith. Lack of faith in our great prophet, priest, and king. But the Scripture says, Then He arose and He rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. 
Our great high priest by the sacrifice of himself reconciles us to God and there's no more separation. No more turbulence. Only a great calm. Our mighty Savior rebukes the winds of turbulence for us and the winds blow and they beat upon this house, but it shall not fall. Why? It's built upon a rock. Christ is that rock. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground, sinking sand. He is our firm foundation. And remember what the disciples said after this. What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey Him? He's the God-man. We find peace with God through our great high priest. We have an advocate with the Father. Oh, I tell you, if you ever have to go to a court of law, you better have an advocate. The one who represents himself is a fool. We have a safe haven, a place of safety and refuge. He's a shelter in time of storm. Christ is our refuge. Elon ruled for 10 years. And number 10 gives reference to the law of God. Ten commandments. As our great high priest, the Lord Jesus kept the law for us and God is satisfied. God is satisfied. Did you hear me? God is satisfied. What a high priest we have. Then we have the last of the three judges and his name is Abdon. Look at verse 13. And after him, Abdon, the son of uh, Hilo. That's how that's pronounced, I believe. Uh, I'm not sure about this next one. He was a (laughs) parathonite. Judged Israel, and he had forty sons and thirty nephews. I don't, I don't know why the uh, King James uh, interpreted that word nephews. The word there actually means sons, sons, grandchildren. Is what it means. He had uh, forty sons and thirty grandchildren, or thirty grandsons, that rode on three score and ten ass colts, and he judged Israel eight years. Well, my time's about up, so I'll be brief. But abdon means survive. Survive means showing an excess willingness to serve others. Isn't that amazing? These three judges show us so much without telling us a whole lot. The Lord came in this world to serve God, His heavenly Father. God says, Behold my servant in whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He's, friends, the king of kings became a servant. He's the servant of the Most High. Uh, Abdon was the son of. Hilo. Hilo means praising. He's the son of praising. He's worthy of our praise. We get the word hallelujah from that word. 
It's derived from a word that means glory. God gets all the glory. Yes, sir. It also means shining. This all speaks of the deity and the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ as King. Christ is His people's King. Pilate said, uh, they, uh, the Jews came to Pilate and they said, uh, don't write that up there on, that, on the cross that He's the King of the Jews. Write up there that He said He was the King of the Jews. And Pilate said, I've written what I've written because that's what God said. Yes, sir. He's the King of kings. And look what you've done with Him. You put a crown of thorns on His head and nailed Him to a pole. You want to see something about your sin? Look to the cross of Calvary. You want to see something about the seriousness of sin? Look to the cross of Calvary and see God's own Son who had our sin put upon Him suffer the just for the unjust. Abdon was from a place called uh, Parathion. I, I don't know. I apologize. I that, that word, though, translated means prince. Christ is the prince of life. Christ is the prince of peace. He's king of all, the Lord of the living and the dead. We need a king to reign over us, don't we? Jesus Christ is that king. He's a sovereign king. He saves whom He wills. He does what He wills in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. Where's your God, Ed David? Our God's in the heavens and He's done whatsoever He's pleased. He's doing whatever He pleases. Still is. We need a king. A sovereign king. Abdon served eight years. You know, a Jewish male was circumcised on the eighth day. Circumcision is a picture of the new birth. Circumcision is the cutting away of our trust in our flesh. That's when you narrow it down, that's what it is. You know, people used to take pride in circumcision. <laughs> it's a picture of the new birth. Eight people were saved on the Ark of Noah. Eight pictures the newness of life. The newness of life is in Christ our King. We need a prophet. We need God's Word. We need God's Word revealed to us. And only the prophet can do that. We, we need uh, a high priest. We, we need intercessory. We need someone to stand before God in our room instead and plead our cause. Christ is that high priest. He's the only one who can. And we need a king. We need a lawgiver. We need one who keeps the law for us. We need Jesus Christ. The Scriptures are they that testify of Him. That's what this book's about. If God could give us eyes to see it, we'd see it in every word. I think we've seen it in a few names and words tonight.